0: I'm Annie, and I'm Leah, and this is lactation business coaching with Annie and Leah, where we talk about the smart way to create a compassionate and professional private practice. Let's dive in.
1: Well, hello, Annie. How are you today? I'm terrific, Leah. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm excited to be talking today. I love our podcast days. It makes me so happy. I feel like I just get to come talk shop with somebody who gets it. You know, like everybody else other than my LC friends, they just don't get what we do and what we think about or how our brains work. (laughs) So I'm excited to be here with you where you're going to get it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's so true. It's just really fun. And like, we always, I can't, we can't even tell you like how many topic ideas we have. Like we just keep coming up with things we want to talk about. And it's just so fun having these conversations. And today's conversation is a topic that I think we're all going to get a lot out of because it's really at the heart of what we do as lactation consultant. And we're going to talk today about how we work together with our clients to set their goals and help them achieve what they want out of their relationship with their baby related to feeding, pumping, supplementing, all those things that are going on, how we use communication skills to work with our clients. And something that I think Leah and I are both really passionate about, and it's kind of, for me, like one of my favorite things about being a lactation consultant is seeing how different people
1: are. I love it. It is really interesting just to see how different personality types are just different approaches and just attitudes towards different things and and how we have to be so like chameleon like like okay this person is gonna you respond better to this type of presentation whereas this person is going to respond better to this type of presentation I really think it just makes us such a unique and that we consider you know I mean just the fact that we even think about and consider these things I don't think there's a lot of other healthcare professionals that are willing to be chameleons (laughs) but we're so dedicated to helping our families feel like they can trust and be honest with us and know that we're on their team, not just telling them how to do this or that or breastfeed or chestfeed their their babies, but we're actually like on this journey with them trying to empower and help them. So I think it's really great. I'm getting all deep into content. Well, we got other things to talk about first, like our sponsor, Annie, tell us all about it. Our sponsor for today
0: is the Lactation Private Practice Toolkit, which is a collection of resources, trainings, and tools so that you can build a private practice that works for the way you work to help families. So we've got everything from legal forms that have been attorney reviewed that you can plug in your information to charting templates that are lactation specific for a whole bunch of different platforms and training on how to use those platforms. We've got a workbook that is a policies and procedures manual, all of this in one toolkit. And it's upgraded for life, so every time a new product is added, you get it. And you can go to paperlesslactation.com slash toolkit and use code podcast for 10% off the toolkit. That's paperlesslactation.com slash toolkit and code podcast.
1: And I cannot speak highly enough of the toolkit and the amazing resources it contains. I use it All the time. I love it, love it, love it. It's it should be, you know, priced at like a million dollars. But of course that would price us all out of getting it, but that's how much it's actually worth, I'm telling you. And the upgrades, Annie, that's just such an amazing thing that you guys do is to give us those upgrades. And I always look forward to like when I hear and he has got something new. She's going to upgrade the toolkit. I can't wait for the new stuff to come out. So thank you for that hard work that you did, putting that all together and it's worth every penny. And if you are starting a private practice or like me, had one for a really long time and then got the toolkit, I promise you will find value in it for sure. Oh, well, thank you. Well,
0: enough marketing for me <laughs> and my stuff. Leah, can you give us a marketing tip that us and our listeners can use to help promote their
1: amazing things that they are doing. Yes, absolutely. So we're talking today about helping your clients reach their goals. And I think one of the ways in marketing that we can set the stage for this is kind of how lactation, you as a lactation consultant are approaching helping them is to make sure that the copy on your website and in social media and however you're presenting yourself really gives off a vibe of meeting them where they are and helping them reach. Their goals, and I think it's really important we say that often in whatever way you would present that you know, you don't want to say it in my words, but say that in your words so that families really start out interacting with you from a place of, like, oh, she really gets me, she's gonna listen to me, she's gonna be respectful of my decisions for my family, whatever those are. I think this is just such an important way that we show families how we come to breastfeeding, you know, I think we sometimes get that kind of bad rap of like, oh, we're only going to be about exclusive breastfeeding 100% of the time. We're going to like be upset with them if they chose to formula feed or chose to pump or whatever the case may be. And we can really change that attitude or that viewpoint of us by starting out with the thing that they are going to see first is most likely going to be something on your website or in social media. And that's where you need to start that conversation, build that foundation for there. And it really works. I mean, I actually had a family who reached out to me because they wanted to stop. They didn't want to initiate any, any breastfeeding at all. And they just were like, I, we felt like you would be happy to help us with that. And, and I was, and they were shocked. They were like mind blown when I was like zero judgment, let's do this. I didn't, push it. I made sure they had all the information, but it was just really a testament to, to how empowering that is. And that they didn't have to leave the visit feeling like, yeah, I'll re- begrudgingly give you this information, but I really think you're making the wrong choice, you know? <laughs> and I, I think that starts all with how we present ourselves online, you know? So
0: It's so great. It's, you know, it's like we talked about in a recent episode, We really want to start by making people feel safe. And someone who feels safe to ask you, how can I not breastfeed? Like, that's awesome. Like, I want everyone to think of lactation consultants as being a place where you can go to get healthy, a place where you can go to get the right information related to reproductive health with your breasts. And that for some people, that's going to mean not breastfeeding. And that's totally
1: fine. Right. Right. And I think that's really a way that we can start start changing how we present ourselves, you know, like how we, and, and the information that you share out there to include everybody, uh, so that it doesn't have to just be one way. I think it's super important in a way we're just reaching, making our reach a little bit further. Cause you never know that family that felt secure and safe with you to have that journey might turn around with their next child and say, Hey, you know, I remember I wanted to, didn't want to do it that time, but but maybe I want to explore it more this time because I did feel so safe. I could ask more questions, and you never know how you'll change their journey later on down the road. So I bet those of you who have blogs are thinking of
0: ideas of new kinds of articles that can address what Leah's bringing up, which is not just focusing on. You know, breastfeeding tips, but also creating that inclusive environment for all kinds of feeding scenarios and helping people do that in a healthy way. So I love that marketing tip. And it really does feed so well into our topic for today. So we're talking about goal setting with our clients and just, you know, right off the bat, if you're not familiar with the concept of motivational interviewing and you have any kind of continuing education budget for yourself, I recommend buying the book motivational interviewing. It's really thick and really great. And as a, I would consider one of the essential texts for the work that we do, because that really is at the heart of what we're doing with our clients is we are working with them having a conversation with them that is designed to elicit them to articulate what their goals are and to be the ones who are naming the steps they're going to take to reach those goals. So with our input and our guidance, but it's all originating from them not being dictated to them by us.
1: Yeah. And it's a hard kind of twist in your head to do, you know, is sometimes you're like, but wait, they they called me because they wanted me to tell them what to do. Like why, why else would they, why else would they want my help? Except for me to say like, do X, Y, and Z to make everything perfect. But we have to always remember, we're not going to be the ones doing the X, Y, and Z. And if they're not on board with it, everything that you wrote down on that piece of paper is not going to work for them because they are not going to be invested in what it takes to get to their end goal. So I think it's really such an important step that we take in setting up our visit just from the get-go. How do you start incorporating this, Annie, just from the beginning what are some of the ways that you incorporate goal setting from the beginning of your consult? Where does that start for you?
0: So it, it definitely starts in the intake process. So asking people, tell me, you know, to explain what they're struggling with because they're reaching out for help because they're struggling with something or they have a question about something. So asking a lot of questions in the intake that are asking them, you know, are you in pain or what's happening? Tell me what's going on. And so I'm collecting that information in advance. So when I come in, I do have an idea about what I'm walking into, but then at the top of the visit, when I'm sitting down and getting comfortable with them, you know, asking them, okay, I've got, you know, we're here, we're ready to do this. And asking them, I I know I always say, I know you gave me a lot of information during the intake. And I really appreciate that. It was super helpful. I would love if we would just start by having you tell me what you want to work on during our time together today. Because sometimes that's different than what I inferred from the way the information was given to me in the intake form.
1: Yeah, I have that happen all the time. And I say something similar with, you know, trying to figure out what is the main thing that they're most concerned about in the visit today. I think it's great to have some open-ended questions about that so that they can really express themselves and what's most pertinent to them to figure out. And we might be guiding that a little bit. Like they might be thinking, well, I want to really make sure that I have a freezer stash for when I go back to work. But we're seeing like, oh, you know, but your baby's losing weight right now. And, you know, so it might be us helping them see the bigger picture, like we're seeing it, but we're not telling them like, but wait, no, that is not where you need to put your focus today. You know, like this is the problem. This concept of like, well, you could like guide them into seeing some different options, seeing some things differently, not necessarily dictating what they should see but helping them see it in some different light, you know, guiding them. Oh, I love open-ended questions. So with
0: open-ended questions, so in case there are people out there who aren't sure what is an open-ended question.
1: So what is an open-ended question? (laughs) A question that can't be answered with yes or no. So I like to say, I just keep this phrase in my head, like, tell me more about so that's just like if I can't think of how to word an open ended question, I'll just be like, tell me more about the pain you're feeling with latching. Oh, that's great. Or, tell me more about the behavior your baby has after a feeding. Mm-hmm. So that might be how I, you know, help a mom start to see, like, oh, you know, I am thinking a lot about return to work, but you're right. I am having all this pain with latching right now. And, you know, my baby's been so fussy and, It's not gating weight properly. You know, it's like you're just helping them like look at the bigger picture because we always come in with this like really big view, but they're thinking, oh my gosh, like how am I going to incorporate return to work with this newborn and we have to kind of help them see, okay, let's broaden this perspective, but how they do that, they got to come to it on their own because us just explaining like why don't think, you know, don't think about that, think about this oftentimes these open-ended questions help. So if I can't come up with a real savvy one, which sometimes I do, but oftentimes I'll just say, tell me more about whatever it is that I'm trying to help, you know, or I'm trying to learn more about how they feel about something or what they're experiencing. Or if I'm trying to guide them, I'll be like, well, tell me more about that. Because sometimes as they start to talk about it, they kind of have these realizations like, oh my gosh, yeah, I... Hadn't really thought about this, but I am feeling like blah 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 blah, or you know that kind of thing. How about you? Do you have any any phrases that you go to first for open ended questions? I also do the "tell me more about that," or I'll say like, "Can you tell me a little more about that?"
0: After they've shared some information with me. Another like example of the contrast between an open ended question versus a closed question would be in, not asking, "Does your baby click when they feed." do your nipples seem blanched or beveled when your baby comes off? So those would be closed questions because the answer is either yes, they do, or no, they don't. So instead of asking a question like that, I would ask, can you describe for me what your nipples look like when your baby is done eating and then let them tell me, or can you describe a typical feeding for me? Or I'll do this when the baby is latched on. and, And so if I'm seeing, so you know, baby's latched on, but I'm seeing some, you know, gulping or hearing some strider or seeing the baby be very squirmy instead of saying, does your baby always make that noise? I would say, can you tell me how this compares with a typical feeding, just the way your baby's moving, the sounds your baby is making, or I'll say, I'm hearing this sound right now. Have you, is this a sound that you've heard before? Which that's a closed question. So yeah. yes or no. but But that's like an open closed question because right. it's like, it's not saying like, and it would be helpful if she says no i've never heard that before that's that's useful information right. she says yes i say can you tell me more about that yeah so you're really looking at the questions you're asking as opportunities to branch the conversation in a direction where it needs to go versus a closed question prunes the branch and says well now we're done with that line of inquiry because it right. was either if it was no then you're done. right? And the more branching and the less pruning you do during a conversation with a client, the more likely you are to actually get them to feel ownership over their goals and to be able to see where they want to go.
1: Yeah. I think that's such an important skill to learn. And I feel like it takes, it takes time to cultivate. So don't be hard on yourself if you get in a visit and you're like, oh my gosh, I just asked three closed questions in a row. Like, what am I doing? Just be kind of open to like just throwing in and when you have such a quick little statement like tell me more about that just practice throwing that in and see how it leads the conversation and see if you can work with that more you know i think that's a it's a good way to start and i i feel like in the beginning i was more, yeah, I would be hard, like in my head, I'd be like thinking, Oh my gosh, that that, that wasn't open-ended again. Oh man, I did it again. You know and I'm thinking like that? And it's like, okay, just take a deep breath and just start incorporating it. And before you know it, it just becomes how you talk. You know, I talk to my kids like that (laughs) all the time. Tell me more about what your teacher said.
0: (laughs) And then when you do it to your kids though, they're like, mom, they're anything like my kids. I
1: know. They're like, don't I know ask what you're doing. This. Don't ask know, me those questions. Right? <laughs> I don't want to tell you more about it. I want I to go know, in my right? room and- Roll their eyes and like, can I eat yeah. something? That's, what, that's my As whole for, house right now. Roll I like their eyes and ask boys, for food. Food. I mean, like literally we're back in newborn stage where I cannot, they're like cluster feeding. They're like teenage cluster feeding. It is a thing. I go to Costco. I spend a million dollars, and it's gone like in three days. It's maddening these teenage boys. Oh my gosh! Sorry, that was a tangent. Yeah, that was Long a direction. Tangent, but- Let's talk about <laughs> what steps do you take to really start to pull in? Okay, what does this family want to work on? What beyond just like okay, you get there and they're thinking, I want to work on this, and you're thinking about like, okay, well, we have other things that we could talk about too and and help them see. But as you get further down and pulling out, like, okay, what is really the direction they're gonna go with their breastfeeding or chestfeeding journey?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that it's about mindset going into the consult and going into the relationship is the most important thing. Your mindset needing to be, first of all, you can't want anything for them more than they want it for themselves. And so what you want for them is like unimportant and really like the lower value you can place on what you want to see happen, the better it's going to be for your clients. And then secondly, respecting their autonomy in this decision-making process, because breastfeeding is not always the goal for these families. So for example, you know, you might walk into a situation where, you know, a parent is asking you, I really want to I want you to teach me how to use my pump and the baby's 5 days old. And so you might be thinking, well no, we don't really need to do that yet. We need to establish breastfeeding first and might not be what that client wants. That client might have their own reasons for why they don't want to breastfeed and you know one of the you know tenets of trauma informed care is that they kind of don't have to tell you why. Like that's right. that story does not belong to you. Right. Of why they don 't want to breastfeed, and so we know that they're, you know, that some survivors of sexual abuse might not want to breastfeed. We also know that some survivors of sexual abuse can find breastfeeding healing, not your business either way that 's between right. them. And their therapist and their, their support system, which you are not a part of for that journey. And even you know, going trying to get to the bottom of like, well, you might be thinking, if I can find out why she doesn't want to breastfeed, then maybe I can get her to breastfeed. That makes you kind of an unsafe person. And it's yeah. not appropriate in this situation. So really walking in there and saying, I'm going to learn as much as I possibly can about what this family wants. I'm going to respect what they choose to share with me. I'm not going to force them to share anything they're not comfortable with. And I'm really going to strive to bring the conversation back to them wherever I can and, and to help them see from the very beginning that I'm here to hear, reflect back, understand, and help
1: them implement their goals. Right. And I actually even like to ask, I might not say like, what are your goals with breastfeeding? Because I think oftentimes there's like these scripted answers, like I'm going to exclusively breastfeed for six months and then continue for 12, like, because that's what everybody expects every mom to say. But I might say, what do you want breastfeeding to look like for your family? And sometimes that open-ended question Will get you a lot more information about what they perceive this is going to be like or what they envision. And there might be some, you know, education in that, like when they're like, well, I'd like to only have to breastfeed my newborn, you know, four times a day uh, without, you know, they're like, okay, well, then, you know, breastfeeding.
0: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes
1: I mean, newborns typically need eight feeds a day. So we might have to then think about incorporating some additional feeding in another way, you know, something like that. I mean, some perspective of like, okay, well, what's, possible. I would like to have, you know, 70 degree sunny weather every day, but it's not possible. <laughs> so we can educate in those areas and help them, you know, kind of see what possibilities. And that's helpful for them because, you know, they've never done this before. So they have they may have zero concept of what this should even look like. So sometimes I like to start from a place well I, I need to see it from their perspective. What are they seeing right now? What are they thinking right now? And by asking them like how do you, or what do you feel, want breastfeeding to look like for your family? It really gives me a glimpse into how they're perceiving everything, what information they might have or might not have, and how I need to, you know, provide education and that kind of thing, and where we're going to start looking at the goals that they have. And sometimes, goals, I feel like, is, is a hard word with breastfeeding. I wish there was another word, <laughs> you know, sort of like, yeah. like goals feel like I'm going to lose, you know, 10 pounds in a month. I, I just always think of like a goal or I'm going to run a 5K as a goal. And I'm like, breastfeeding sometimes doesn't feel like it should be goal setting, but more, yeah, like like what are your desires or like, I don't know. Do you, you know what I mean? Well,
0: yeah, thinking about, well, so like, yeah, I mean, I, I see that is a great point because with the population that I serve here in New York City, I've got a lot of, People who were professionals who are on maternity leave from their job, where they might be setting goals all day and setting right. goals for other people. Yeah, and they're like used to metrics and standards and evaluations and reviews. And you get all these ways to tell you how well you're progressing towards your goal. And so it's a very different kind of goal setting because you're not going to have outside metrics. Like there's no like, okay, here's your, pro- I mean, we have like, all we really have is like, you made it to, Day two, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like whatever that count is, and those are. I mean, it is so beautiful to celebrate those milestones. But it's also, you know, really helping your clients articulate what kind of relationship they are hoping to build with their new family. So I like to bring my clients back to that and to say, "You're, you're here, but here building a family, and the way you feed your baby." is part of building a family and how you feel in your body, you know, whether you're in pain or not in pain, that's going to affect how your family grows or, and so that's what we're really going for. And so then to try to say, okay, what do you want? What do you want this relationship to look like? And where do you place a breastfeeding relationship in there? And, you know, and there are some cases where you can find that focusing too much on Just breastfeeding can be harmful to building that family if breastfeeding isn't going well, and you have a client who doesn't who feels like I just want to breastfeed, but they don't understand that that's going to require doing X, Y, and Z to get to exclusive breastfeeding. They just want the goal of exclusive breastfeeding, but there are challenges that need to be met. And so, really, like shifting the conversation off of the like the physical act of feeding at the breast and into something bigger which is about this is the beginning of a lifetime relationship that you're building with this person who like your new roommate right. <laughs> has been dropped into your house to live with. And, and just to like that exclusive breastfeeding is something that is worth celebrating, but it is not something that is worth holding up as this is what has to happen. This is, we walk into every house to make this happen. And as healthcare providers, again, and I know, I feel like I say this a lot, but I I think it can't be said too much. And I think it is because I have been, you know, like wanting more education on this topic and knowing that we are working with vulnerable people who may have been harmed during the birthing process or in pregnancy by other care providers. And that the tendency is there to lay up risks in order to push people towards a given health outcome. And so an equivalent, for in birthing would be, you know, the threats that some families get during labor to do this, accept this intervention, or, you know, this outcome, terrible outcome is going to happen. And that at a certain point, this can become what's known as gaslighting, which is where you dictate to this person who trusts you a different reality than the one that they're living in to make them do something that you want them to do. And this is something that because we do have, we're working with vulnerable people who are putting our trust in us. We really need to be careful that we're not, you know, saying things to them. Like if you give your baby even one drop of formula, they will have an altered gut forever and their grandchildren will have two heads because of <laughs> epigenetic changes. We know right. a ton of about the impact of non-human milk on epigenetics. I mean, there's like amazing science about that. These things are happening. Clinically, it's not appropriate to use information in that way to scare people or to try to persuade them. Like we're not con artists, we're lactation consultants. We're here to help. We're here to help them meet their goals.
1: Yeah. And I feel like if you have a family who, you know, they're saying one thing, but their like actions don't match it, you know, helping them explore what's holding them back, you know. And sometimes that can open up like one, oh, you know, referrals need to be made because this is not in my scope. Or I had one family, it was so simple and it was so empowering to like see her I asked the question, I said, you know, I hear you are so passionate about exclusive breastfeeding and it's so awesome. And I know you're working so hard, but you're I see you're really struggling implementing, you know, what we talked about. What do you feel like is really holding you back by being able to do that? And it was literally the washing. She's like, I hate washing stuff. Like I never do the dishes. And now like, she's like, I've always been somebody that like, I'll do any other chore in the house if somebody else can deal with the dishes. And she's like, but now all this weight is on me. It's like, take care of all these pump parts and all the bottles. And I'm just like losing my mind. And she's like, I know it sounds so silly, but like, literally that's the thing that stops me. And I was like. Not the thing that I would think. I would think it's like the time stuck to a pump and you know, the things that are in my head of like what is hard about, you know, triple feeding. And I was like, why don't we just get you more pump parts and then, you know, have your husband wash them at the end of the day? And it was like a million light bulbs. She was like, You can do that? Like you can have more than one set of pump parts and if I could get, you know, four, then that would last me the whole day. And my husband said he would wash them. He always washes, you know, the one that I have for my evening pumps, you know, all this stuff. And Her mind just was blown. And then everything changed for her. And it was just by looking at what was holding her back. And it could have been me perceiving as like, we're just, you know, what's the big deal? Or, you know, we might have come in with our own bias of like, well, this doesn't seem like this or that, but by helping her see, well, what are, what are her constraints for getting her where she obviously wants to be? And it might be something like, I thought that exclusive student was I wanted, but now that I'm doing this, you know, I'm really liking other people helping and I'm shifting and I just didn't, you know, I didn't really want to say it, but now that you asked me, I'm going to say it. And that can be really insightful too on changing a care plan that we're not causing more stress on the mom because she's not following the care plan. Because I think they stress themselves out about that. Totally, they do. And I
0: have had some of my triple feeding clients who get to where they've come to the other side of it and things are going a lot better. And it like It worked. Because, yeah. You know, we give them a triple feeding plan because it's, it can work where, but they say, you know what? I really want to keep these two bottles a day. Cause I really love that my baby is comfortable taking the bottle. My baby is going back and forth between breast and bottle. And I am going back to work in a few weeks. And I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. Like you, you just hit your goal. Like when we first started, you were like, I want to be exclusively breastfeeding. And then they get to a place where they're like, Oh wow, this is really working for what's happening with us. And that's mm-hmm. great. And say, goal achieved, you know, well done and celebrating those milestones when they reach their progress. We'll wrap it up by talking about the care plan, which is not, I always tell my clients, I'm like, this is not blueprint of me saying do this or else like you don't have to follow the care plan these are guidelines these are recommendations if something is not working for you i want you to come to me right away and say annie this isn't working for me and i say i'm giving you what i'm giving you the first thing to try i'm like i got a really really deep list of things we can try so if this first thing isn't working for you we're gonna go to the next one Uh, but but you're i want you to tell me i said this changes this is
1: for you yeah, I do the exact same thing. I tell them I have a huge toolbox. I'm giving you the first set of tools. If these tools don't work for you, then we can always shift gears if something is not seeming to line up with you guys or feeling you know, like it's working for you, then let me know because we want to be able to continue to guide them through that. So I like to have that open-ended. I also like to give them some parameters on how we're going to measure progress, you know, in that care plan. Like, okay, I want you to check back in with me in one week and we're going to reassess you know, where milk supply is at that time, or we're going to reassess milk transfer. How is the baby improving here? Or Like giving them something of like, where's the next step in this? Because especially like with the more intensive care plans, sometimes it feels like, okay, well, I can't do this for 12 months. And so I'm changing my goals to like one week, you know, because it just seems so overwhelming. Like this is what we're expecting them to do. So helping them kind of have some foresight and like, okay, this would be the progress of what we're doing right now.
0: I think that's really great. Like with triple feeding and I'm realizing that the last time we talked about triple feeding, There was somebody had raised a question on our Facebook page, like, "Wait, what is triple feeding?" So triple, because I guess I mean people call it differently, though. Yeah, apparently people don't always use the same words that I use for things. Like, (laughs) I should realize this. It means that you have a parent with low milk supply that you're working on increasing. So they are the triple feeding would be their. Doing direct breastfeeding, they are also pumping and they are giving milk or for, uh, human milk or formula by a, a bottle or another device, could be at the breast supplementer or a cup, as a means to increase milk supply and with the hope of having the baby do increase the amount of direct breastfeeding that they're doing. And when I give my families a triple feeding plan, I tell them, I said, this is hard work, it's boot camp. But the whole point of boot camp is to get out of boot camp. <laughs> right, right like you're supposed to graduate and so i'm te- so we are not this is not how breastfeeding is now going to be for you but by giving you this plan i'm not describing what breastfeeding will look like for you i'm giving you some steps to take to help you reach the goals and we're going to reevaluate in a week so the best way to reevaluate that progress and make sure that you're updating goals to keep your families, make sure they're feeling aligned with what their actual goals are, would be an in-person visit. If that's not possible, you know, having an email check-in or a phone call, or some people will have do clinics that are just for their established clients to come in and get a weight check and just check in on their goals or, you know, so there's a lot of different ways to do it. But I think it's, it is really important that if you're serving a population where they're expecting a one and done and we see a lot of that here in New York City. It's so hard to get out of that. They wait so long to see us because they know insurance isn't going to co- pay for it, pay them back for it. And then by the time they see us, it's a, there's a lot going on and and we're having to do a lot of handholding afterwards to help them. So building that in, helping your clients see how you're going to continue to support them and, and getting, if you are doing a lot of one and done clients, maybe take a look at how you're talking about follow-up to try to prompt more follow-up visits because the second visit I find for me is often the one where we really get somewhere Mm goal-wise in terms of like they've had some time to think about it and now they come back and they're like oh wow okay now that I've done this for a week I'm thinking about things in a different way and I think that's really good because I really feel like I'm not there to achieve some particular outcome, I'm there to invest in that person who reached out to me for help and give to them, not give to like the goal of breastfeeding like that. So, and I find that in the second visit is where we really get there, where they, they do trust me and they've seen things happen. And now we've got more data to work with and they feel more comfortable with me. And that's when they will often open up and say, you know, what it is that they, they really want or what they're really afraid of or what they really hope. And then we can help them apply that to their lives and, and then give them you know, have them a lot of times they're telling me what the care plan is. You know, they're saying, okay, I'm not willing to do that. I'll explain to them. Here's an app breast supplementer. And they will say, I am not willing to do that. Like, okay, now we know, we know something. That's, that's great. That's important. You just told me a goal of yours, which is you have a goal not to use an app breast supplementer heard, received, understood (laughs) right here for you
1: yeah and i think when we take this approach it's really really empowering when done well for the person that is on this parenting journey and like this is kind of the their first like task as a parent is to feed their child you know and so how they experience this first task could influence, not to put too much pressure on all of us, (laughs) but could influence them through how they perceive their ability as a parent, for how they perceive their ability to figure things out as a parent. You know, it's, it really, I feel like, and I've heard this and I've felt this in my own life, this is a big jumping off point for parenting their journey as a parent. And if we can help them, empower them and make them the, self-efficacy. Like, I can figure this out. I can do this. Yes, I'm calling in resources and help, but I'm the one doing this hard work. I'm the one investing in my child. I'm the one that is making decisions and making plans. And I just think that we we have like this huge ability to change how their journey takes off from this point. And I know I've experienced that in my own life, in other families that I've worked with. You know, I just think that it's a huge responsibility. And when we take the time to learn these skills, it just makes us just better people just better Absolutely. people to work with, just in general, better humans to work with, uh, better parents ourselves, better partners. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, so true. it's really helpful.
0: And you just see, you know, like how, you know, of, over the years that I've been doing this, like, I'm just blown away at what families are capable of being for each other. And oh, yeah. just, you know, like, I mean, how, like, you know, getting moved at the way a partner looks at that mom and just gives the support or the family coming in. And like, you know, you just get these, you get these windows into people's lives and you just see, you know, like breastfeeding at the beginning, it might be a fragile thing that will become robust if, you know, if cultivated, you know, and if that support is given, it can become this great thing. But what I really actually see is that it's hard to get to robust breastfeeding. We know this is true. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things sometimes that just can't be done about that in a situation. But what I see is always can be made robust is that family bond. And by pouring in to what those parents are capable of giving to their baby and by showing parents what their babies are bringing to the table, which is a lot of awesome things. And, and And having them see that, that aha moment that's what really opens it up for them to be able to set goals, work towards them, and feel great about wherever they land up, even if it's not where that initial goal was. And and that's, that's a beautiful part of what we do. So...
1: Yeah, I love this talk. This made me feel really good. And it also is such good reminders. I have consults the rest of the day today. And I'm like, I'm going to be speaking and talking in such a different way. Such lovely reminders. I love our podcast. (laughs) So as we wrap up, as always, Annie's going to give us a super awesome tech tip. What you got for us today, Annie?
0: So I recommend creating some canned emails with formatted links to some commonly asked questions. So for example, how do you prepare to return to work? And you might you could create a canned email that's got links to your favorite resources and articles about getting ready to go back to work. And by creating them as formatted links, so where it's like, click here for an article on this topic, and the here is the hyperlink as opposed to like pasting the link, it makes it, the pasted links look spammy and they can get filtered into the spam, especially if you're sending a lot of links. So by formatting them, you are able to, like bypass, they look like a real email. And then by creating canned emails, which is super easy to do in G Suite, a lot of charting platforms will let you do, um, create formatted emails as well. I know Practice Better does some beautiful formatted emails um, that you can set up as protocols, and Charm does that as well and having those at your fingertips to send out. And so in one of the components of the toolkit that we mentioned at the top of the episode is a resource collection, which is a whole bunch of client-friendly links for breastfeeding professionals. You can buy it on its own as well as a separate product or it's bundled in the toolkit. And you get every time people write new great stuff about that would be good for families about all kinds of topics. We put them in the toolkit. So, I mean, in the resource collection and then you have it and you can just pull up, you can search a topic and find all these great resources blog posts that have been written for parents that they can easily understand, use those to amplify your care plans. And I use it all the time. It's uh, maintained by Jen Deshays of Syracuse Lactation in New York State. She's a research pro. She's amazing. She finds the best stuff. She puts it in there. She keeps it organized and updates it about once a month with new stuff. So having those resources that speak directly to parents really helps them see it's, just, it's not just me, Annie, telling them, here's what you got to do. It's also like, I'm inviting you to understand like are best practices that have been developed over time that you can apply to your situation. And it's not just me saying it. There's some other people
1: who say it too. Yeah, I love that resource list. Annie, I use it all the time. I really do. I love it. And I love when it gets updated because I'm like, oh, what did they add? New stuff that I can add to my templates because I do that. I definitely do that. But I love the tip about um, making it a hyperlink. I think it keeps the care plan looking really clean or the email that you're sending looking really clean. So such a smart tip. Thank you so much for just adding more value to the work that we do. I love it. I love it. Well, it's been so great talking to you today, Annie. And as always, I hope you have a great week and I look forward to our next podcast. Totally. And I will see you
0: next time. Have a fabulous day of consults. I know you have to like run out the door right yep. now, but um, <laughs> I think you'll have a great time with your families today. I always have a great time with you.
1: Yes. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great day, Annie. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding